the Americhicks with Molly Boats and Kim Monson. The most important story. They are like this newfound, off-hinged part of the left. Even Chuck Schumer's pushing back on. The latest in politics and world affairs. The buck is stopping with Trump. The different administrations prior to him have been kicking the can down the road on a number of issues. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. The heart of this is, is the U.S. Constitution a progressive document, or is it something that should be looked at as an original document? It's the Americhicks, Molly and Kim. Because face it, ideas matter. Because ideas matter. Hey, welcome to the Americhicks, uh, Molly Vogt and Kim Munson. We are so thrilled to share with you today another of our great World War II stories. Uh, it has been such an honor to get to talk with these World War II veterans. Each story is unique. Each story is so special. And Molly, this uh, this whole thing precipitated from a trip that we took in 2016 with a group from the Denver Police Activities League that accompanied four D-Day veterans to Normandy. It was something that truly changed our lives. Totally did. You know, you walk around Normandy, France, and people are so excited. They still have American flags hanging up on the walls and, and out in front of their houses and even in the schools as well. And I think the whole reason is that they never forgot. They never forgot. They always tell their kids, if not for the American soldiers and her allies, we would not be here today. And so we tell these stories so that people in America also understand how great and how wonderful our military is, past, present, and future, because they risk their lives. They put their lives on the line for everybody to enjoy freedom, not only in America, but around the world. Well, that's for sure. And today we have the story of Jody Lander. He was just a young guy that landed in Normandy on D-Day. It is going to be exciting. We have on the line with us Jody Lander. He is a Texas guy, and uh, he served in World War II in the 82nd Airborne, 508th Infantry Division. Jody Lander, welcome to the AmeriChicks, Molly and Kim. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Well, we're glad you're here. You know, a lot of people say, now, why do they call them the greatest generation? And they also say, why do people stand for that American flag so often? And we figured by you telling your story today, Jody, that's going to answer both of these questions. So thanks for joining us. Sure. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Now, you uh, you grew up in Texas, right, Jody? Yes, got born in Dallas. Okay. And where were you when you heard that Pearl Harbor had been bombed? I was, uh, I, I was a Sunday morning. I forgot where I was, but I, I had the radio on and heard that. And uh, I, I, I guess I was at home. I don't recall, really. Okay. What went through your mind when you heard that it had Well, happened? I thought, uh, well, uh, I, 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 I guess the war started, and I, and I thought I'd probably be in it. And I was anxious to get in it. I was just finishing high school. Okay. So did you finish high school before you joined up? Yes, I finished high school and went to A&M for a year. I had a year in college before I drafted. So uh, which branch of the service did you choose to serve in? Well, I tried to get in the Naval Air Corps. I volunteered for that, but I left, and they said they could not understand me on, on the radio. <laughs> and so I, that, that broke my heart. That broke my heart. Oh. So I went on back to school, and, and I was drafted right after that. So I was drafted and, and uh, went into the Army, and they asked what branch of service I wanted. And I didn't know really, but I'd seen a short at the movies on a paratrooper, and that looked like that exciting. So I, <laughs> I volunteered for that, and he said, no problem, no problem. That is an understatement, being and a it, paratrooper. it was exciting. I've got to say that. It was exciting. <laughs> Jody, did any, had your father or grandfather been in the military? 
No, my my grandfather hadn't. Uh, neither of my grandfather had. One was a cowboy, and one was, I don't know what he was. I didn't know him too well. <laughs> but my, my daddy was drafted at the end of World War One, but he never did see service. I think he was drafted and went in, and the war ended, okay. fortunately. Well, what did your parents think about you, you joining the military and being drafted? Well, they they knew it's coming. You know, everybody my age at that time were, were, were subject for the draft if you were physically fit, and I and I was physically fit at that time. Okay. And they thought that it was the thing to do. You know, every all all, all their friends' children had been if they're of age, they they had been drafted or had volunteered. So at my time. Yeah, it just seemed like a duty that all of the families accepted at that time willingly. That's right. That's right. That was. World War II was, a, if you if it's if such a thing, was a very popular war in the United States. Yeah. Well, uh, it's amazing how we ended up doing the show. Jody is Molly and I uh, went to Normandy in two, in 2016 with a group from the Denver Police Activities League, and there were four D-Day vets that traveled with us, as well as some students and some police officers. And it really changed Molly and I. We came back and we we realized how important these stories are, and so we decided that we would work to do as many of these interviews as possible and people are loving them well that's that's good (laughs) and i know that you went to normandy after and we'll get to that later because we want to hear your story but but jody let's talk about you you're in you're in the army you joined the paratroopers talk to us about basic training and and i'd love to hear about that first jump out of an airplane Okay, well, we went to we went to Fort Blanding, uh, Fort Blanding, uh, or Camp Blanding in Florida. That's where we did our basic training. We got there a little late because uh, we got there in February, but the regiment had been formed in October, so we were three or four months late. So we were put in a special group to try to catch up with the training. And uh, they caught they caught us up. They, they were quite hard on us, trying to get us in shape. I was in pretty good shape when I got there because I'd spent a year at A and M as a freshman, and I'd done a lot of push-ups and knee bends and punishment and and, and, and and harassment by the upperclassmen. So I was in good shape when I got there. And uh, we were there uh, from in, in Blanding. We were there from. Uh, Oh, I, I guess every February until uh, April, March, March. And then we went to Camp Landing in uh, Georgia. That's for parachute training. Okay. What, what, and, uh, pardon? Well, as Molly asked, what was it like when you uh, did that first jump? Well, it was a bit scary. I, 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 uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death. You know, what if the parachute's going to open? Of course, they always do. But after it opened and it floated down, it was so much fun. I said, "Gosh, that nothing to it." And so the next day, you know, we we made five jumps in a row after we'd had our basic training. We made five jumps in a row. And uh, the second day, I thought I wouldn't be scared, but I was just scared the first day. <laughs> And, and, and I was just as scared when I made my last jump. When I made my last jump, I was just as scared as the first one. I never got used to it. <laughs> well, the last one you were probably being shot at, but that was that's when you were actually in the war. Well, no, my last one was a practice jump. Oh, okay. And I, I and that was just as scary as the first one. Okay. I never got used to it. All right. You know, Jody, we when we were at Normandy, we were at the fields of Lafayette where they do that big parachute uh, uh, drop, and they have you know military. 
yeah. uh, from from all over the world. Uh, it's or well, Americans from all over the world, uh, and uh, it's a big honor. And then also the French reenactors. But it is powerful to see those planes come in and to see you guys do those drops. Yeah, well, uh, we uh, I, I, I've been there a couple of times and seen two of the drops. It's 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 impressive. It is very impressive. Uh, so you are obviously a paratrooper, and you've uh, gotten through your first jumps and all. Uh, you ended up in some of the major battles of the European theater. Uh, yep. So you mentioned, uh, let's see, that you were in March. You were. Uh, just finishing up parachute school was what year was that? Was that forty four? That was nineteen forty three. Nineteen forty three. Okay, so uh, take us from nineteen forty three to D Day. What were you doing? Well, nineteen forty three. After after parachute school, we went to uh, Camp McCall, North Carolina, for advanced training, and we got there around April, and we trained there until December. Okay. And uh, then we went to New York City and called a boat for Europe. We went to North Ireland first. Uh, we went to North Ireland, stayed there about about, about about a month, then we transferred to England, to Nottingham. Okay. And uh, the good thing about North Ireland, it's so far north, and this was uh, in the wintertime, this was dead winter, this was January of 44. And... Uh, the the sun came up so late that we didn't have to stand verbally until nine thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> and that's the only time I got enough sleep in the army. Um, wow! So but that was neat. And the sun went down about five thirty and came up nine thirty, so I got plenty of sleep in North Island. Because <laughs> you were going to need it. You're so. well rested and ready to go. Yes. So uh, you're at Nottingham, England now. Are you? Yeah, we went there. We got there about March of 40, 43. Or 44? And, uh, pardon? Was that 44? No, was... no, no, about March of 44. Yeah. March of 44. Okay. And then we we did some training there. We had a couple of parachute jumps of training. And uh, we, we uh, I thoroughly enjoyed Nottingham. It was a lot of fun there. We, there weren't too many soldiers around, not too many American soldiers. And so we had all the girls to ourselves. <laughs> and, and, and the English girls really liked the American soldiers, particularly paratroops. You know, we got $50 extra for jumping, and we spent all that on beer and cigarettes. Gave it to, <laughs> gave it to them. So the girls liked us, and the, and the, but the British soldier didn't. They, I, I, yeah. they I, said the American soldier was... Uh, Overpaid, oversexed, and over here. <laughs> and that's a recipe for disaster if you're not American. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we had a lot of fun there in, in Nottingham, and uh, I hate to leave it, but we, when 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 uh, when D Day came, we went to the airport, and uh, we were there about oh so about a week, getting ready, packing the bundle, repacking our shoots, getting our mission. And, uh, you know, I don't understand why the Germans didn't know that, because all of a sudden, there's no, there were no soldiers in the, in the Irish and English pubs. Yeah. That's what we lived for, to go to the English pub. Mm-hmm. Every night after, after we got off from duty, we'd, we'd catch a bus and go into town to the Irish English pubs and drink beer and, 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 and meet the pretty girls. 
But all of a sudden, those soldiers showed up, and why the British, why the Germans didn't know that, I have no idea. Well, Monday, you know, Monday football, they're looking back, going, "All right, the next war. If we see there aren't any Americans in the bars over here, we know we're, we know what's coming." Yeah, that's that's really fascinating. I'd never heard that before. Never thought of but it. But that that is really yeah. interesting. Well, it, 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 I don't understand. I guess the I guess the uh, they didn't have very many agents in in uh, England. If they had one agent, he would have known that. But but I, but they didn't know. They were completely surprised when we landed. Yeah. And then I, we also heard that they had uh, done decoy drops, um, you know, further away from Normandy as well. So it is amazing that... Well, that Hitler, thought, Hitler thought the main attack was coming around, uh, uh, around, the, around Dover. Right, okay. That was the closest place. The cliffs of Dover was the closest place to the continent. And so he was planning on an attack coming at Calais, but he was wrong. Fortunately, he was wrong. So tell us, uh, you you are spending a week at the airport. Uh, you are getting out. I mean, do you realize that you're getting ready for the invasion? I mean, oh, you know, this oh, yes. is for- yes, we knew what it was. We, 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 soon as we, soon as we left for the airport, we knew it was it was okay. what, what it was. We didn't know exactly when, but we knew it was going to be real short because we wouldn't know when send us there too early, and cause okay. it, it, mm-hmm. it's just too hard to maintain to keep us there and maintain us there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Jody Lander, you know, we heard in, in the Second World War that, um, that D-Day it had to be delayed, of course, because of the weather. So tell us it about that delayed. time. We were alerted. We were going to jump. We, we were going to take off on the night of the 4th and jump on uh, early in the morning on the 5th. But it was delayed 24 hours because of the storm. The storm in the North Sea. The North Sea was so rough that the landing craft couldn't couldn't land. Whether well, they could land, but they'd, they'd dump over and turn over. And it's just too tough for the landing forces. Mm-hmm. So it was deferred 24 hours. What is that 24 hours like when you're waiting? I mean, you know you're ready well, to go. Any minute you could go. Well, it uh, the the main problem was we didn't get much sleep. You know, we were we knew it was coming the next night, and so we tried to sleep on on the, on the night of the the fourth of uh, the fifth. But we, well, now the fourth, see, we took off on the night of the fifth. We tried to sleep the night of the fourth, but we we you know I'd lay awake all night. I think. I'm sure. I'm sure. What? Uh, you, so when you guys? Well, first of all, what time did you guys get on the plane to head we, over? We we got on a plane. And we got on. We went out. We uh, walked out to the plains around nine in the evening. Put a chute on and got our ammunition. Got all of our uh, equipment on and got on a plane around ten o'clock. It's still daylight. You know, at that time it was June, early June, the, the saltest. And uh, England's so far north, and they were on double daylight saving time. It didn't get dark till midnight. Huh. So, I so at ten o'clock in the evening, it was still the sun was still shining brightly. Okay. Uh, so we, we we got on planes about ten. Took off, I guess, around ten thirty or so, and we, we we flew for a long time to rendezvous. There were ten thousand planes in the air that night. Wow! And then we we took off from different airports, so we had to rendezvous. And about midnight, we rendezvoused in the air and took, took off toward the continent. Now, were you flying pretty low at that time? 
Yes, uh, the, the the planes. I don't know exactly how high we were because by then it was getting dark and you couldn't see the we couldn't see anything. And uh, yeah, the plane, the first plane sent a in a regular jump coming at about 400 feet, and the last planes in uh, in the echelon comes in around 1,200 feet. And the reason for that is to get you on the ground as quick as you can, so they can't shoot at you. That's pretty low. <laughs> That's pretty low. Yeah, you don't so, have a lot of time between the time you jump out and the time you no, hit the ground. No, on the first ones, uh, the, the first ones out, their planes, they, their chute opens and they're on the ground. But that's good because, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're in a parachute, you're pretty defenseless coming down. Probably better to be first than last, so you're the one they don't see. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we were. Uh, it, 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 that's the way it is. And um, anyway, we flew and we flew between the Gurvey and Jersey Islands. That's right off the coast of Normandy. And if you ever fly over there from the United States, you always you fly to Paris. You always go right between those, just the way we went. And we drew our first fire from them. But we were right between them, and we were far enough that the air, any aircraft couldn't reach us from those two islands. We could see the traces come up and just fade on off. And, and Jody, <laughs> did you have probably did you have your airplane door open because there were people yes, smoking yes, in there? We, yes, we, 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 they didn't have a door on it. Okay. So you can see the tracers coming 100%. Oh, yeah. You could, we, we had windows in it. We, we, okay. You know, that little bitty window. It's old, it's old, it was the old DC-3, which was the the Boeing DC, uh, the Douglas DC-3 that was used for transport in the United States. And they just converted them and painted them a different color. And we used them for transport. But we, we could look out the windows and see the traces coming up. Okay. Well, everything was okay from then on. Well, I was then until we hit the coast. When we hit the coast of France. Jody, you know what? We're, let's stop right there. Let's go to break. Let's have everybody. We're keeping this as a cliffhanger. So let's go to break. We are talking to World War II veteran Jody Lander. He jumped at D-Day, and we're going to hear about that jump at D-Day. So this is the Americhicks, Molly Vogt, and Kim Munson. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Ameritics World War II Project. I'm Molly Vogt. I'm Kim Munson. And we are on the phone with Jody Lander. We are excited to be on the phone with you, Jody. Uh, Jody served in World War II. He was in the 82nd Airborne and the 508th Infantry uh, Regiment. And he was, a, he was a paratrooper. He jumped out of planes. And he was in Normandy at D-Day. He served also in Market Garden and Battle of the Bulge. But right now, we're going to get back to where we left before our commercial. Uh, Jody's on the plane. You're flying in. You're almost at the coast of France, and it's almost D-Day. Tell us what happens. Well, but now it was about 2.30. Well, it's just about 2.15 in the morning, I assume, on D-Day. And when we hit the coast, well, that's when, they, that's when the war started for us. They couldn't see us, you know. It's still a foggy, a cloudy, stormy night, and the clouds were low, so they couldn't see us, but they could hear us. And they put it. They just had every gun shooting. I think on, on the continent was pointing at our planes. Mm. The, uh, we we could hear the shrapnel hitting the sides of the plane. Nobody in our plane was hurt or hit, and our plane didn't. Our plane made it. It was not shot down, but the any aircraft fire was intense. But so, I said earlier, I didn't like to jump. It always scared me. This time, I was ready to get out of it because I knew <laughs> that plane was going to be shot down. But it wasn't. 
it, after we hit the coast, I don't know how long we flew. It seemed like two days, but uh, it wasn't. It was about just a few minutes, probably ten or fifteen minutes, until the green light came on, and then, we, and then out we went. And I was, as I say, I was very glad to get out of that airplane because I knew it, I did just the any aircraft fire was too intense. Uh, well, and you had no control over what was going to happen then. I'm, I'm, no, you know, you you don't. You don't have much control. And of course, you couldn't see a thing. It was so dark and stormy that you couldn't see a thing. So you didn't know when you were going to hit the ground. Usually, you know when you're going to hit, and you can prepare for it. But I, but you couldn't that, that night because it's so dark. So I just relaxed as much as I could. <laughs> So I wouldn't break a leg. I wouldn't. I wouldn't land stiff legged and break a leg. So I just collapsed. When I hit the ground, I just uh, rumpled up and was okay. Nothing. Nothing was broken, sprained, or hurt. And I tried to get them to shoot. They have quick releases on them, but I was shaking so that I couldn't. I couldn't operate the quick release latch. So we had uh, knives strapped to our boots. Uh, real sharp knives, so I got that out and cut myself out of the harness. And what I found out later, that almost every trooper did that. Almost every one of them cut themselves out rather than releasing the, the quick release. Because <laughs> so everybody was probably shaking. I was yeah. In. Yeah. <laughs> so it is dark. You were in Normandy, France. Uh, then what do you do? You, you, you... Well, I, after I got out of my shoes, I got up and started walking around trying to... Uh, find the rest of the guys in my plane. There were 18 of us in our plane. There were about 18 of us. And uh, I ran first guy heard a wrestling and I gave the password, which was lightning, and, and the countersign came back. The countersign was thunder. And the reason thunder was selected is because the Germans can't say TH. They say thunder. They can't say TH. Like we can't say an umlaut at you. If you try to say a German umlaut at you, you, you can't do it. You can't do it. Well, they can't say thunder. Anyway, the folks came back to me except the word thunder. So, boy, if I was, if the adrenaline wasn't running, it was then. But, the, but I quickly realized who it was. We had a German youth who'd, who'd been in the German youth. He was a German Jew and had been, his family had been uh, arrested and put in concentration camps. But his daddy was able to, to um, to, uh, to, to, to got it. He got him out of Germany, huh? Yeah, he, yeah, he got him out. He uh, he got him out of Germany. His daddy was a well-to-do importer, and he had lots of friends, particularly in Italy. And he was able to get him to Italy to get him out over the United States. So he was he joined us later in 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 this. Uh, uh, he joined us for about two or three months before we left to come overseas. And anyway, he was the first one I ran into. And his story sometimes, uh, his story, his life story is very interesting. I just don't have time to tell you about it, but he was a very interesting individual. And an unusual thing happened when I saw him at, the, at our last uh, regimental reunion. He was there with his family. And uh, I ate with him. I had, had, had the banquet dinner with him. And I asked him, Harry, can you say thunder yet? Thunder yet? He said, sure, thunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So 
You guys he are... lost his whole family, but he survived, and oh. he became he, he had a very successful life in the United States. Wow, wow! He died. He died in two thousand and ten. Okay. Well, yeah, you guys surely have a bond. So you guys are, are getting together, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, we we, 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 we we about daylight we were able to get uh, out of eighteen. With fifteen of us got together, two were captured and taken to Cherbourg, but we got them back. Oh, good. And one one landed in a hedgerow near a bunch of Germans, and he had to stay there for one day, one twenty-four hour. He had to lay real quiet in that hedgerow because if he moved, they'd catch him or, or oh. capture him. But he laid there for twenty-four hours, and finally, when they left, he was able to get up and come back and join us. Wow. Oh my well, God. well, we didn't know where we were when we hit all that anti-aircraft fire. The pilots had to leave their courses. You know, they could, they could see the traces coming up, and they couldn't fly into that all that fire because if it did, we were shot down. So they had to try to go around it. And when we did, we got scrambled and lost all over the, the Cherbourg Peninsula. So you guys all had maps, though, right? We had maps, but but we didn't have any landmarks. You know, we could look at the map and, and look at the landslide, and you couldn't tell a thing. But we finally found the road. The 15 of us got together. We found the road. We got on that road, and we went in the direction we thought we should go. And in a little while... Uh, it, the sun started coming up, and then we fell under the bombardment of old naval fire. They were trying to soften up the German uh, land defenses for the landing of the, of the sea craft. Okay. And we were close enough to the beaches that we came under uh, our own fire, so we had to hide. We had to get down ditches along the side of the road, which we did. The firing lasted for about uh, 30 minutes. It was very intense, but none of us were hurt. We got up and started on down the road, and about 100 yards down the road, we saw the first horrors of war. A French family apparently trying to trying to evade the bombardment had left their homes and, and coming down the road, and they took a direct hit from one of our big naval shells. Mm-hmm. And that little boy and little girl were dead. The mother and the daddy, we, who assumed were the, the mother, they were the mother and daddy, they were dead. And there was an old man who was still alive, we assumed he was a grandfather. He was still alive, and he had his foot split wide open. And he was shaking, he, he, he was in, uh, he was in uh, shock. So we stopped to do what we could to him. We gave him a shot of our morphine. We had first aid packs with morphine. We gave him a shot, and that would knock him out for a few hours anyway. And maybe maybe some of our landing people from the landing craft could help him. Maybe. We don't know. But uh, anyway, we gave him a package of American cigarettes. And he was so elated with those American cigarettes, they were lucky strikes. <laughs> the first American cigarettes he'd had since Hitler had conquered France. And he just couldn't get over those cigarettes. A whole package, a whole brand new package of them. <laughs> he wasn't a bit concerned about his condition, just those cigarettes were so good. <laughs> so we left him happy. Well, we had good. to go on because we just, you know, we yeah. couldn't, we, we, we couldn't, we couldn't take him with us. We couldn't do a thing. So right. we, we moved on, yeah. and I still remember that. I think about it all the time. Yeah. And that family, it's, yeah, that's that's that, tough. That's, that's what we call now collateral damage. And, yeah. It, it's terrible. You know, on that, though, we saw some amazing pictures and when we were in Normandy of 
Americans, the French citizens, as as they greeted the Americans, they were so grateful. Oh yes, oh yes, they they were they were they were so happy we we came. Yeah. So, but uh, I'm sure that you think about that all the time. Yes. So what was uh, what was your mission, you guys? Uh, so you eventually all 18 of you guys got back together, or well, all 18 of us finally got together. Uh, the one was hiding in the hedgerow. We got he we, he we, he he joined us in two or three days. The ones that had been captured and taken to Cherbourg, it was about a month later when we captured Cherbourg and they were released and they came back and joined us. So our whole plane survived. Okay. And so Jody Lander, so tell us, so so you, you parachuted into Normandy D-Day. At this point, you've, you've got much of your crew together walking down the street. You saw this bomb take out a family. You helped the guy, gave him the cigarettes, gave him the morphine, and kept going. What happens next? Well, we kept on, after that, we kept on moving down the road, and it came to a small town called St. Marcoux. And when we found that town, we could look on the map and tell where we were, and we were heading in the right direction toward our drop zone. So we stopped in St. Marcoux and rested for a few minutes. Then we got up and moved on, and we... Moved, we moved on the rest of the day. We, we didn't run into any Germans at all. We could see them in a very far distance with our field glasses, but we didn't run into any resistance until it was getting, it was getting late in the evening, getting dark, and we, we came up on this big uh, farmhouse. It had a rock wall around it, a rock wall that went completely around the house and the uh, farmyard. And it was about chest high and about three feet thick, which made a tremendous uh, 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 defensive insulation. So we decided we would spend the night there, and we did. We went in there and spent the night. Uh, there were a few soldiers there already from the 101st. They had driven off some Germans who had a headquarters there. And so we joined them, and we, we, uh, by then we were exhausted. You know, and, uh, were, and Jody, just uh, quickly, I want our listeners to realize what you just said, that you are at a farmhouse, and the Germans had taken that for their headquarters. So they'd taken... Yes, well, yes. that's been a headquarters for a German company, a German command post for, for, for something. Anyway, I don't know exactly what it was, but they'd been driven off. And, and But they'd come in, the Germans had come in and taken the French French's uh, property. And, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. That, that, that happened all over the place. Yeah, I think that's important for people to understand. So continue on, Jody Lander. Well, it, 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 uh, what we did, uh, we, we divided up. Some of us were going to take a nap or take, go to sleep if we could. Of course, we, when you were talking, we, were, we were exhausted. We'd been up for over 36 hours. And the adrenaline had been running all that time, and that tires you out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we, we took turns at manning the wall for defensive purposes, and some of us went into the barn house and the farmhouse and went to sleep, or tried to go to sleep. But, but as soon as it got dark, the Germans counterattacked. And so we were all awake again. We all had to get up and go man our positions on the wall. And we shot back and forth all night. Well, I don't know whether we hit anybody or not. We had one person killed in our in our group. He was 101st. I didn't know him. But you couldn't see it. You couldn't see a thing. It was so dark. We could see the gunfire coming our way. We fired back at the gunfire, and they fired back at our gunfire. But uh, I was at the post with a friend of mine, and the Germans got close enough to threw a when they're hand grenades. We call them potato mashers. They look like an old-fashioned potato masher that the, that the early farmers had. And he, we knew that their, their fuses 
his old uh, grenades were about seven seconds. We've been taught that. Ours about three seconds. So anyway, he picked it up and threw it back. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, well, he hit him and I, we don't know. But anyway, he, 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 he threw it back. And I, I thought that was real brave of him to pick that up and throw it back without knowing how long the Germans had held it before they threw it. But anyway, he came through unscathed. That is a, that's amazing. I can't imagine seeing a grenade come in, look at it, think quickly enough to pick it up and, throw it, it back. and throw it back. That's amazing. Well, he, he did. He did. I, I think I just drove him stiff. I didn't. I saw it, but I didn't know what to do. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, Jody- he threw it back, and we came out okay. Well, uh, we, we held the Germans off all night long, and about daybreak, this was, this was D plus one now. This was, this was uh, D day plus one. The people, from, the soldiers who landed at Utah Beach, we were real close to Utah Beach, who landed at Utah Beach, had come through and they relieved us at daybreak. And when they came through, the Germans left us and they had retreated. So I was never so glad in my life to see another soldier from to come and relieve us. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say, is this this is the farmhouse that you call the Little Alamo? Yes, yes. Okay, and you went back, and you got to see that later when you went back to yes, Normandy seventy years later. In, in, uh, in, in, in 2015, we were over there for the reunion, and I, I saw it. I hadn't seen it before then, but I, I remembered it. It looked exactly like I remembered it looking. How did it feel to see it and walk inside? Well, it uh, it felt uh, well. I, I can't explain it. It it, it uh, felt good, and it brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. But I always wanted to see it. I'd always wondered where it was, and I had no idea. It's a shrine now. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, we're talking with Jody Lander. So, Jody, you now have been relieved. The guys have come on up Utah Beach. Uh, so, what did you guys do after that? Well, after we after we came back, and uh, I mean, after we were relieved, we, we we asked them where the beach was, and they told us how to get there. So, we walked on out to the beach, and we spent the night there. We spent we went to the beach, spent the night, got the first night good night's sleep that we'd gotten in about two or three nights. And then the next morning, we found a truck driver who had found who'd, who'd been in there already, and found some of our headquarters people. And we found out where they were, and so we caught a ride with him to go join them. And then the war started. Okay. Well, and it- I, it's a long story from there on. I, but this is the, the, this is a, I'm taking you through the, the up to D Day plus two now. Okay. Well, we are talking. Let's go to break. We're, this is the Americhicks, Molly Vogt and Kim Munson. We're talking with Jody Lander, World War II veteran. Uh, he jumped into Normandy, France, on D Day, and we're now at D Day plus two. To let's go to break. When we come back, we'll continue with the story. Welcome back. We are the Marichicks, Molly Vote and Kim Munson. We have on the line with us Jody Lander. He is a World War II veteran. He jumped into Normandy, France on the morning of June 6th, 1944. And it's a fascinating story, Molly. It sure is. He was the 82nd Airborne of the 508th Infantry Regiment. And uh, it, we, we've heard all about the this first night when they, they were staying in this farmhouse that, that the Americans had relieved that the Germans were using as their headquarters. And you know what, Kim? I was thinking when you and I were in 
in Normandy in 2016, we stayed in a farmhouse that was the first one that was a German headquarters, the first ones that the Americans relieved, right. and that was right there in, in Normandy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's not this one, but but it's it's a common story. So I, I'm just yeah, it's interesting. It brings back such memories yes. and such chills. So so Jody, after the farmhouse night, um, you're you're fighting against the Germans. The the fo- the guys from Utah Beach landed. They came up and released them, relieved you. D plus one. You hung out on the beach. Finally got to sleep. Now we're at D plus two. Take us from there. Well, we uh, we we caught a ride with this truck driver back to uh, some place around. Uh, I don't know exactly where it was, but some little uh, uh, French town uh, near St. Mary Gleef. It wasn't St. Mary Gleef, but it was near there. And that's where we we formed our, our headquarters. I mean, our, our regimental headquarters was there, and that's where the regimental people started drifting in. You know, we were all strewn all over the uh, Normandy Peninsula. And so it took us about a week before we got everybody together, because it took a while for us to, for the guys to find out where they were and how to get to to the headquarters. But when we got there, we finally organized and, I guess, started the war. I mean, started the war as supposed to be. <laughs> and I don't remember a whole lot from there on. I remember the, the first two or three days just like it happened yesterday. But from then on, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hazy. I do remember some patrols we went on. Now, I was in the S2 section. S2 section uh, was the intelligence section. I, they found out I'd been in A&M for a year before I was drafted. So if he'd been in A&M, he's bound to be intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good Aggie story. That is a good Aggie story. <laughs> anyway, uh, our, our mission was, when we were in a stable condition, was to try to infiltrate the Germans' lines and go back uh, back behind the lines and find out what equipment they had, how many troops they had, how many, what kind of guns they had, and any information we could find. Well, on the first patrol we went on, we had to swim a river, and we got across the river, and uh, we got on our hands and knees. Uh, we were getting close to the German lines, we knew. We got on our hands and knees, and we were so uh, particular, uh, or so cautious, that we crept on our hands and knees for hours, it seemed like, and the sun started coming up. We hadn't even gotten close to the lines yet. So we had to turn around and come back. Well, we finally learned that the way to, to penetrate the lines is to just stand up and walk <laughs> until you're challenged. They wouldn't shoot first. They're challenged first. They'd say, How, who's, who's there in German? And when you heard that, we'd uh, drop on our knees and crawl away backwards. But we found out if we were ever going to infiltrate the line, we just had to move. We couldn't crawl and creep a few inches at a time. We had to go fast because we had to get through before daylight came up. Well, anyway, we finally learned how to do it, and uh, we had, I have, I went on one very successful patrol. The guy who led it was the Corporal Ellis. He was the one who picked up that hand grenade and threw back that I told you about earlier. Well, we, we, we volunteered for this. They asked who, who would volunteer for it. They thought it would be a little dangerous, so they didn't make us do it. We volunteered. So he and I and another guy volunteered. And we went through our lines and uh, we got through successful. We didn't run into any opposition. And we, 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 went with we finally got through at night, got deep enough into the territory that we, we uh, found a abandoned house and got in there and went to sleep and slept until daylight. 
Then we got out and we found found a small uh, French farmhouse with with a young Frenchman, in it, a young boy, and he he had been out out looking around. Well, he, like well, he'd been out working, and he knew a whole lot about the German emplacements. So we and he could speak a little English, and we couldn't speak any French, but he spoke enough English that he gave us a, a lot of good information, and. Um, we we took that information and uh, we went back, but we we didn't go back the same night that we left. We had to wait a day because of the daylight. Well, you, you don't move behind German lines in the daytime. You only move at night when you don't can't be seen. You know? So we went started back. And the problem was we did not have the password, the new password for that night. So when we got near our we got near our lines, we didn't know what to do because we were afraid our own people would shoot us, thinking we were German spies, German uh, infiltrators. So we decided we'd sing a lot of old songs. Over there, over there, the Yanks were coming. And uh, uh, some, of, some of the old popular songs, uh, When You and I Be Young, Mamie, what's that name? When You and I, well, I don't remember it, but we sang those and started yelling, don't shoot, don't shoot, we're Americans. We, we don't have the password. We don't have the password. Anyway, we it worked. We got back. Uh, got back unscathed. Jody, real well, quick, when you, you're talking about the passwords. You know, our friend uh, Guy Whitten was 101st Airborne, and I know that you traveled with some well, of them. Wait just a moment. Wait just okay. a moment. Okay. We're talking, yeah, we are talking with uh, Jody Lander, World War II okay. veteran. And uh, so, Jody, uh, Molly was just going to ask you a question. Yeah, so so our friend Guy Whitten, 101st Airborne, he, they, he didn't have a password. He said he had the clicker. And so, you know, when they landed, if somebody came up, they would do kind of the clicker. And if somebody yeah, clicked yeah, back. The, 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 we had a little cricket. Now, I don't remember that at all. Okay. I don't remember that at all. I, mean, I didn't use it. I, I just used the password, and uh, that's when I got the, the countersign thunder from Harry Kennedy. <laughs> okay. Or who was Hans Kahn, and then they renamed him Harry Kennedy and put that on his, on his name tag. So if he were captured, they would think he was Irish, not German. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you've got, you've gone on this mission, you've gotten back, and you decided in order since you didn't have the password that you were going to sing some of the good American songs. So uh, well, one of them was we, "Don't we, Shoot." But we, 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 we made all kinds of racket coming back and singing American songs. So they let us through. They didn't shoot us. They let us through, and we came back and reported. And our, our company, our regimental commander, was so happy with the results we brought back that he said, "Will you go again tomorrow night?" <laughs> That's and, uh, and what do you, all you can say to your company, you know, to your regimental commander, yes, sir, be glad to. Yeah. We lied a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you did. We, we went back the next night, and, and unfortunately, the young man didn't have any more information, but he uh, he'd been hit by shrapnel in, in, in the. Uh, in, in, in some uh, artillery fire that that yeah, was a friendly fire or a German fire, but he'd been hit and he he was very he, he was in much pain. We couldn't do much for him, but we told our medics. So when we we were going to make an attack right through there, that was to start off the the the, the, the break 
work out. So we told, we gave our medics his location so they could stop by and try to help him if, if, if he was still alive. But anyway, we didn't get much information the second night. But we did capture two Germans on the way back. How'd that we happen? We captured them and brought them back through line. This time we had the new password so we could get through okay. So how did you capture these two Germans? Well, we were coming back and we came by an abandoned house and all of a sudden two Germans came out with their hands up. Huh. And uh, fortunately they did. Of course, we were sitting ducks. We didn't know they were there and all they had to do was bang, bang, bang and we were gone. But they decided they were rather... Take, rather than take that chance, they decided to surrender, so they surrendered. Anyway, we got a lot of good information from the interrogation of them. Anyway, well, for that operation, for that operation, the uh, the our leader, our corporal, who was the leader of the of the, of the scouting group, got the silver star, and the other guy and I got the bronze star. So I got we got decorated for that. That's nice. That's pretty well, amazing. Jody, do you mind telling what kind of information you found? Like what, what information well, did they give you? Just, just a moment. Okay. And this is the Ameritix Molly and Kim, and uh, we're doing our World War II story right now with Jody Lander. Okay. Uh, uh, we found out uh, where some gun emplacements were, uh, where, where, uh, where the uh, troops were located. And, I, and that's, I, that's about all I know. I did not interrogate the guy, the, 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 the young Frenchman. I was well, outstanding guard in case some Germans came up. Outstanding guard. So I didn't hear all the, I didn't hear all the uh, information he gave. But anyway, uh, we, we got some good information because that was where the, when that was the, we were going to go right through where this position that he was telling us about the Germans. We we're going to go right through that on the attack when we started to break out from. The from the coast. And what was the breakout like for you, Jody Lander? Well, it was... Uh, uh, I, I, I wasn't really involved in it. I just kind of followed behind it. But it was a rainy, cold, rainy day. We were wet to completely... It was hard rain. We were completely wet and cold and miserable. So that's all I remember. And weren't you guys hungry? Oh, you guys didn't have a... I mean, you had rations or whatever, but you guys weren't eating uh, um, really well. From well, what well, we, we, well, we carried three... We, we carried our food for two days on our jump. Uh, for one day, we had 3K rations. That's, a, that's a 3K rations. Uh, 1K ration is one meal. And so we had enough for one full day, and then we had three... High-powered high chocolate bars. They had they were chocolate with a lot of nutrition built in them that we could eat, and that would keep you going for another day. So we had two days of food, which we which we used all of it. But after that, we had hot meals most of the time. Okay, okay, good deal. So yeah, they, they, the army did a real good job of two things: getting our mail to us and feeding us. They, it's amazing how they could set up a field kitchen and give us a hot meal. Even when the when the bullets were flying. Okay. Well, now you uh, you've 
finished E-Day. You're now doing the breakout. Uh, Jody, you were involved in a couple of other battles as well. Um, you want to tell us about that? Well, uh, you mean uh, Market Garden? Market Garden, yeah. Well, okay. Well, uh, after uh, uh, we were in Normandy for six weeks, about six weeks, and on uh, on the four, on the fourteenth, July the fourteenth, which is Bastille Day, we went back to England to get ready for the next mission, and. Uh, we, that was uh, that was good. I had my first bath and got new. We got brand new clothes, and I clothes. Oh, they were like cardboard. They they were they were like leather, leather. You know, we'd wipe our hands on them, and uh, and uh, they turned black from from the from the olive drab. They turned black from dirt and smut and stuff like that. Anyway, we got brand new clothes, and it was so nice to take a bath and put on. New clothes and go home. <laughs> so of course, we, we went back. We were the first troops back after the invasion, so we were the conquering heroes. What was that like? Oh, that was neat. That was neat. We, we, but no, but, but an Englishman never did buy me a beer. I always brought the English a beer. He never <laughs> did buy me a beer. Never did. Well, he was upset about you taking his girlfriend. That could be expected. I guess so. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> well, we were, we went back to Nottingham and started our life there again. And our next mission was Market Garden. That was a, that was the operation into Holland. That was to uh, end the war by Christmas. That was uh, Montgomery's uh, idea, mm-hmm. General Montgomery's English yeah. general. And uh, I was absolutely petrified for that one because we were going to do it in the daylight. The old C-47 is top, at, top fly, at top speed of 115 miles an hour, uh, less than 1,000 feet high, flying over the flak route that, the, that we had to fly over. And I just know we were all going to be shot down. It was a Sunday morning, very still, very brisk, beautiful morning. But I just, I was just sick of my stomach because I knew that was my last, that was my last effort. Well, what happened? They took us out over the English Channel, and we had a P-51 escort, uh, a whole bunch of P-51 planes, escorts. And as we flew past each any aircraft position, these P-51 strafed them, one right after the other. They'd come down and they'd turn machine guns on these uh, positions, and they their fire was so intense that the Germans couldn't shoot back. And we flew completely by those every one of those air, any aircraft positions without a plane being shot down because of those P-51 pilots. Wow. They did a magnificent job. So that was a very successful jump, probably the most successful parachute jump that's ever been there or ever will be. <laughs> hey, Jody Lander, we are just about out of uh, time. What you're talking about is Market Garden, which was portrayed in the movie A Bridge Too Far. Could we possibly have you back to do another show with us and so we can talk about Market Garden and Battle of the Bulge and all? Because this yes, has been yes, fascinating. I, I, yes, I would like to do it because I like to preserve history as much as I can. Well, fantastic. So, Jody Lander, World War II veteran. Uh, you were with the 82nd Airborne 508th Infantry Regiment. We've talked about D-Day. And we will get you scheduled here within the next uh, few weeks because we would like to hear the, the rest of the story on this. So thank okay, you, Jody Lander. Fine. 
Thank you, Jody. God bless you. We appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. I, I enjoy talking about it since it's over. And uh, anything I can do to preserve history, I'm happy to do it. 